Okay, resume recording. Okay, so um, I'm going to go ahead and start, uh, even though we're a minute early, but everybody pretty much knows who I am by now, so I don't have to do too much of an introduction. Um, but I am Terry Givens, the CEO and founder of the Center for Higher Education Leadership. And um, it's very, I'm very happy to welcome everybody to our webinar. I know there's a lot of webinars going on right now, so we really appreciate the fact that you're joining us today. And I'm going to take a little bit with my uh, intro so we have time to uh, let everybody join. But um, today we're talking about mental health and student support in the area of COVID-19. And we have two guests with us, Judith Law, who's with Anxiety Canada and Lord Burgess, who's with the Human Values Center. And um, today we're, you know, we actually did a, a, a kind of an initial discussion of anxiety and wellness a couple of weeks ago with Steve Jordans and that article. We have an article that is up on our newsletter site if you're interested in checking that out. And today, um, you know, we, I'm going to let uh, Judith and Laura talk about their uh, different approaches to these issues. But, um, you know, it's really a, we're getting to the point in this crisis where um, we are, are, you know, kind of feeling the uncertainty in, in different ways. You know, there's, um, I was talking to somebody about it yesterday about the different waves that we're seeing. You know, the initial wave was, for higher ed at least, was, you know, getting faculty online and, you know, getting students moved out of dorms and, and, and closing down campuses and so on. And, and now we're, we're in more of the, you know, then the kind of the second hit was the financial and now we're in the wave of planning. You know, what are we going to do? Uh, most campuses have already decided that they're shutting down and just going to have online courses for the summer. Um, there's discussions going around about admissions because of course right now we're in the uh, phase of students uh, being admitted and trying to decide where they're going to go. and you know, students changing their decisions. And I've seen a lot of parents, you know, I've talked to a lot of parents who have anxiety about where they're going, they're going to send their child in the fall. Um, financial aid anxiety because, um, you know, the family circumstances are changing. Um, and even the, for the campuses themselves, you know, losing revenue, um, how that's going, we're starting to see um, campuses announcing layoffs and and so on. So there's just a lot going on. And um, I, you know, I really, my heart goes out to those who are, are dealing with uh, the virus in, in any way um, and dealing with financial issues. Uh, so we hope that we can be a support here and um, that our website can, we have a lot of resources there for those in higher ed. So um, please feel free to reach out to us in any way if we can be helpful. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, let us get started because hopefully uh, you guys will have a lot of questions and comments. And please go ahead and use the group chat to um, uh, start uh, your questions and comments. I know um, we had one person who is a, Laura's asking who's on the call. Um, we have one person who's a clinical social worker. So if you guys want to go ahead and put, um, introduce yourselves in the chat, go ahead. Um, oh, and so I apologize, the links aren't opening. Um, it might just be because uh, it's uh, the Zoom. So you'll probably have to type them in. But if you look up Anxiety Canada and the Human Values Center, they have a, the Human Values Center has a new website. So you'll probably have to, to type them in, in any case. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and start with Judith. And I'm gonna stop my share so she can do hers. Okay, so, um, and like I said, if you guys don't mind um, going ahead and 
putting your uh, who you are and where you're from and so on into the chat uh, so we can get a sense of who you are. Okay, you're on, Judith. Great, thanks a lot, Terry, for that nice introduction. I'm trying to move a few of these boxes here. Um, so um, this is the big headline, you know, anxiety is the mental health crisis in our time. And um, I, I admittedly, um, this first slide comes from a presentation I did last year. Um, of course, that was uh, pre the precipitant and, um, and now this is all feeling very, very real for us. And, um, and when I say for us, I mean for all Canadians, for all Americans, um, and for some a lot more than others. Um, I'm just gonna see if I can, there, sorry. So I'm just gonna provide some anxiety facts. So one in, in four of us will be affected by a major anxiety uh, episode uh, during our lifetime. The common anxiety uh, conditions are generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder. Um, for some of us, uh, most of us, it won't be a disorder. It will be, uh, we will recognize that we have had, um, there've been moments or phases in uh, our lives where we've been more anxious than at other times. And when we have been, uh, we have experienced more than mild to moderate anxiety. 25% of adults with anxiety disorders first had issues uh, during childhood. And, uh, and often those issues were uh, underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, or simply just weren't addressed at all. Because um, for most of us, when we were younger, people just didn't talk about anxiety or anxiety disorders. Um, over 30% 30, 30 uh, in North America um, will have received any treatment for anxiety disorders. And most of the time that treatment would have been pharmacological. So you're given drugs um, versus psychological therapy. And uh, women are twice as likely to be affected by anxiety disorders than men. Um, there's a lot of um, discussion still about why that is, um, but uh, the statistics are that women present with more anxiety than men. So what is anxiety? I think most of us know that uh, we know how it feels. Um, I'll just, uh, in a nutshell, it's really the body's response to a perceived or real threat. So a good example of that is, um, when you're walking uh, down the street and um, if you suddenly hear a screech of a car and sounds like it's coming fast, then your body is going to, you're gonna feel a little bit of that. Perhaps there's tightening in your stomach, perhaps your um, shoulders are tightening. You will have a physical response to that perceived threat. And then if it is, you know, if that car is close to you and um, you're crossing the road and suddenly um, you see the car out of your, you know, your, say your right side, you're going to stop. So the body, um, so anxiety is, is really protective. It's, um, 
that's why we have this natural response. It helps us also to perform at our best. Um, we, we've, you know, lots of us have talked about adrenaline. We've, some of us have played sport. And so you feel really revved up. And, um, and that's also your body's natural response to um, getting ready to, to face that perceived danger or, or, or news or, or um, event. Um, where where um, muscles get isolated, we're ready to to just to meet the challenge. Um, everyone experiences anxiety from time to time, and uh, as Terry said uh, in her introduction, we're all experiencing a lot more anxiety right now. So um, yeah, we'll talk a bit more about coping strategies. This is the anxiety girl. Uh, I really like this graphic. I always have it in my presentations. She says it's time to jump uh, to the worst conclusion in a single in a single bound, and that's um, I I won't get into it too much during this talk, but that refers to thinking traps. So um, when we're um, when we talk about anxiety, we really want to be talking about balancing our worries if we can. So when does anxiety become a problem? Um, anxiety becomes a problem when it's really affecting your normal functioning. And that's your everyday enjoyment of, of normal things. Um, and also when it's so frequent that it really is interfering with, um, with you at home, with work, with, um, your connections with people with just, and for a lot of people, it can even be something as simple as picking up the telephone um, and therefore avoiding picking up the telephone. Uh, anxiety is too much when it, it feels really intense and distressing. And, and for a lot of people, that is a, it is dread. They feel dread every day. They feel uneasy and, and that feeling is, it's, um, it is frequent, it's in, intense, and, and they really, really uh, feel incapacitated. So that's the feeling out of control part. Um, a good example of this, which uh, was, uh, I had a conversation with a caller one day who rang and said that, um, that, she, is, um, that she doesn't cross bridges. And... Uh, was the first time that I'd spoken to someone uh, who'd shared this. And, um, and so she said that there were many ways that she um, got to work, but she, was, but she definitely could not and would not drive over a bridge. So for the better part of her life, she, she avoided bridges. And her husband would, um, or a friend or a coworker, if she could get someone, um, that person would, um, she would be in the vehicle and, and then it would be okay. She still felt very uncomfortable going over a bridge, but um, she could manage it. And um, most of her life, she would look at a map or on her phone and she would find ways to get around it. And, um, and along with this specific phobia, she had several others. And um, so I mentioned that because I think that we take for granted a lot of things and there's a lot of misunderstanding about anxiety disorders and um, 
and just how debilitating they can be. I'm gonna speak a bit uh, about practical coping strategies because this I, I'm not a psychologist. These are um, coping strategies for every day and they're also coping strategies that are, um, that we've recommended, that our scientific advisory committee members have recommended for coping with physical isolation and uh, for most of us being on top of each other at home right now and perhaps for the foreseeable future. Um, one of the very first things that we urge people to do is to create structure in your day. And structure means that um, you, if you normally get up in the morning at eight o'clock or at seven o'clock, then set your alarm clock, do that, keep things the, the same. Um, I know I've spoken to a lot of people who are going to bed a lot later, they are um, waking up later. Their kids are waking up later. In fact, structure and routine are extremely helpful when we're coping with anxiety, everyday anxiety, but even more so when we are um, trying to manage a lot of uncertainties. Um, routine is also really helpful. So if you know that as I am working from home uh, Monday to Friday, I've set up uh, specific team meetings every week. So they're rolling team meetings with my staff and they always start at the same time, they end at the same time. We're really trying to build in um, ways to connect with people. Um, we're also, in our case, um, we also know that our mission and our goals of our organization, Anxiety Canada, haven't changed. Yes, we're all feeling more anxious. Yes, um, there's a lot more asked of us. Um, I'm doing a lot of webinars. We have a lot of speaking engagements. We're hearing uh, from the general public as well as from organizations in ways that we never have before. And so there is this sense of Im immediate urgency. Um, for us, it's been really important to really focus on our mission and goals and to say that we'll adapt, we'll pivot, but um, we all want to be, um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So the structure, the routine of if normally we were at the office and you like to have your lunch at 12 o'clock, then make a point when you're at home of stepping out out and having your lunch at 12 at 12:30, but um, try not to have lunch at three o'clock. Um, go to bed at a at a regular time, and that again is because we know that um, when we're you know when we're overtired, that especially for days at a time, that it affects our cognition and our ability to respond to to st to stressors. Um, Self-compassion, I have this in here because for many of us, especially leaders and um, people who uh, tend to be the 30% that do a lot, um, we, it's always about them. So we'll say, oh yeah, you know, to, our, to a friend or a colleague, you know, you really should um, take some breaks during your day. But somehow we, we are not... Um, we're not as compassionate with ourselves. We, um, we're not 
acknowledging that we also are um, feeling the weight of uncertainty, that we're also feeling anxious, and that we can and, and need to be good and kind to ourselves. Um, I was at a bank yesterday because, uh, like many of us, we're trying to um, uh, put a lot more things, administrative things online. I know I've got a lot of administrators on the call today. And, um, and tempers are a, a little bit shorter than uh, uh, they were in the past. And here they were in front of the bank, all these um, spots. So you had to be two meters apart from someone else. And, um, and there was one woman who I think she was a bit distracted and she moved quite close to the person in front of her. And I could see that person feeling really uncomfortable and shifting. And um, what was fantastic was the person who was extremely uncomfortable and wearing a mask and she turned around and she said in the most compassionate way to that other person, excuse me, we're supposed to be two meters apart from each other. And she physically moved herself, you know, sort of sideways. And, and it took a little bit for the person she was speaking to, to understand. And then that person, you know, did step back, but it was with such care and understanding. And, um, and I was thinking to myself that I could see that, well, I was thinking to myself that this is obviously something that this person is practicing. Um, so it's, it um, gets to my fourth point there, which is focusing on the things we can control. So we, can, we can't um, control our thoughts, um, but our thoughts aren't facts. So in this case, this person who was feeling uncomfortable because that person was so close to her, um, this person, she could have in her head been thinking and might have been thinking um, this crazy person is... Um, really doesn't she know um, what the guidelines are during COVID-19? Is she trying to make me sick? Um, these are all the so-called crazy thoughts that we can have when we're really anxious. And, um, but she really, you know, really focused on what she was able to control. And so she sidestepped, she had dialogue with this stranger and let her know that she needed her to, to move away. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure right now, as I mentioned earlier, for those of us who are still going with, um, whether it's working in health healthcare, working in higher education, there are a lot of changes and they're happening really quickly. Um, that pivoting and adapting is, is not easy. So when you're able to pull things back to your, uh, and focus on, on yourself, that is really important. So some of those things um, will be um, taking, uh, getting some um, activity. So um, an example of this is if you're used to going to a kickboxing class and they're shut down, of course, see if you can do that online. See if you can go into your, your room or space that you've got and, and just work up a bit of a sweat for five minutes. In my case, um, I've set my alarm on my phone and uh, I've got it so that every two hours recurring, the alarm goes off 
and I get up and I, uh, and I go to my backyard and I walk around if it's not raining. Um, and then I come right back, you know, it's really just a five minute break, but that's what I can control. We've also structured and going back to structure, we've also structured uh, as a family, um, our meal times. And, um, and we've also made sure that we, that our once a week trip where now it's just one person making, but that we really adhere to that. And that, that one person is going when he, and then in this case, it's my spouse, when, um, when he, he, when he normally goes. So he works Monday to Friday and therefore he's not going to go in the middle of his day. Um, so he'll go on the Saturday. Um, so it's focusing on the things we can control, the things we can do for ourselves. Another part of what we can um, control, and that is a coping strategy that is evidence-based, is to um, to do, um, we've got quite a bit in our app, which I'll talk about, but if you can, to do a guided meditation, even if that's for two minutes, and that's what I do because I, I have to admit that I'm not, um, I find guided meditations helpful, but they're not easy for someone like me. So um, um, the, the learning how to breathe, the taking a mental vacation, the uh, body scan. So these are all um, mindfully based strategies that one can use to dial down anxiety. And they're on our MindShift CBT app. And, um, and you just put in your earphones once you've downloaded the app and you can just, just again, give yourself a bit of time to, to cope. Um, the final thing here is to stop talking about COVID-19. I think that um, I've, for example, now um, I, only, I limit myself to 15 minutes of news every day. And I go to a reputable uh, news channel. Um, some people and many people like to read news on their mobile phones. Um, but all the other noise I'm keeping out because part of a reaction to anxiety is that we really seek reassurance. And um, when we're feeling extremely anxious, we're, we're going to, you know, CNN, you're going to um, bloggers that you're like, you like, you're going to the CDC website, you're, you may be going to multiple news sources. And then um, it's further amplified because your friends are doing that. Other people are sending you this information to say, oh, did you know this? Um, I've even heard from donors of ours who will send me messages and say, um, do you know if, if Donald Trump shuts down the economy in the US, that means that you know, the, the world economy will be in crisis. So it, there's so much um, uh, information, misinformation, and, but we can again take some control of some of that. But A, um, we're gonna stop talking about COVID-19. If you have someone who uh, you're working with who, uh, a colleague of yours, a family member who is um, one of these people who's reassurance seeking, who's constantly trying to filter and sharing with you news that is really causing you uh, more anxiety, 
then you know have dialogue with them and if you can't um, if they're not going to respond well to that then uh, change the subject if if they're you know constantly on the COVID-19 uh, topic. Um, I think I've covered some practical things that one can do at, uh, that you can do for yourself so I'll, I'll leave it there for questions later. Um, this is just a bit around resourcing. So Anxiety Canada is a registered charity. We have been around for 20 years and all our resources on our website, including our two free online courses, they're called MAPS. They are uh, absolutely free. Uh, you just log in and we don't track you. You can work at your own pace. We also have Facebook followers. We're on all the social media channels. That's where if you are a social media subscriber, you're interested in events um, uh, or you're interested in podcasts, we update uh, what we do on our social media. We also have our MindShift CBT app, which I'll talk a little bit about. MindShift is totally free. I believe it's the world's leading free anxiety app in English. Um, actually that, uh, I've got here 250,000 people have downloaded it. it um, we're now at over half a million. We, um, we have a very comprehensive um, uh, library, essentially online library of all the anxiety disorders for adults as well as for children. And uh, we also have videos. So please visit our website after the talk. I have, I will have barely scratched the surface in sharing with you what we have that you can access. I'll speak a little bit about CBT because um, CBT is uh, really important when we're talking about anxiety, anxiety disorders and depression. So CBT is a form of psychological therapy. It is an effective treatment for anxiety, anxiety disorders and depression. It has been um, tested in randomized uh, trials for decades. And, um, and it's one of the main reasons why all our materials are based on CBT. Um, CBT is, um, is about, um, it's really like a triangle. So the cognitive part means it's about your, your thinking and it's, it's balancing your thoughts. So balancing the worries and challenging those worries. And then there is, and how we are, our thoughts affect how we feel. And then they also affect our behavior. Um, one of the um, examples that I, I used earlier, um, but also perhaps a, a better example might be that um, when you are um, when your boss calls you up on the phone or is having a zoom call with you or asks for a zoom call your first thought is unlikely to be that your supervisor your boss is calling you to congratulate you on what a great job you're doing uh, when i've asked people um, in workshops, what their first thoughts are. They often are, you know, the first thought is, what did I do wrong? Um, he, uh, he, she is calling me because there's an emergency. So it's um, that, so if you're thinking that he, she is calling you because there's an emergency or that you've done something wrong, 
then your body uh, reacts to that and you're, you know, you may tense up, you will have, um, um, you may um, feel that it, you may start to think that it's a good time to not pick up uh, that phone call or not to, um, to schedule a Zoom call or not to, basically to not respond. And anxiety um, causes us to avoid. So that's that avoidance pattern. So that's the, that's the behavior part of it. So we're thinking it's something bad, or we're reacting to that something, that thought that it's something bad, and then the output or how we behave is, is looking, is by avoiding it. Um, I will, so CBT is, um, is offered by psychologists and also trained registered clinical counselors in Canada and I'm sure in the US, um, many social workers have also been trained on CBT. There are registered bodies that, um, that offer that accreditation. Uh, I'll just also say that we as a, as a charity have heard from many people who have been to see therapists who have said that they know CPT and in fact, um, it was a, you know, it was a, a weekend course that they took. So CPT is very structured and, um, and, it's, and it can be very effective for people even over a short period of time of eight weeks uh, or 12 weeks. So again, um, you want to be really uh, selective and ask questions about if you're looking for CBT, um, have a look at our website and other resources and uh, know what you're looking for. And then um, and when you're um, speaking with a potential therapist, if that's the route that you want to go, um, have them explained, explain to you how they will apply CBT to your treatment. So our MindShift app is totally based on CBT. It was developed by psychologists and people with lived experience with anxiety. And it is an app for people who have mild to moderate anxiety. It's all self-management. It's super engaging. So you see the face there. There's a slider next to the face and that's called check-in. And, it, and uh, it is the most popular part of our app. Uh, I use it every day. So essentially what you're doing is you're checking in to say, um, it's once you set up account, it says, hi, Judith, how are you today? And I check in and I rate my anxiety level from zero to 10. And then I submit that because it keeps track of my anxiety rating so that I can monitor how I'm feeling over a period of time. So that can be days or weeks. And then I get a graph of what that looks like. Um, more importantly, once I'm in there, I can check my symptoms. So um, some of the things that I've talked about um, that have to do with um, how your body's reacting to anxiety, um, all those things are listed in the symptom checklist. So, um, that part is again really helpful because I think in our everyday and certainly with COVID, we ignore a lot of how of the stressors that are causing anxiety. And by doing the checklist, you're, you're learning, but you're also acknowledging 
what is really happening to your to your body and and that's helpful because it encourages us to to take care and and to to take some active steps the middle part where you see my anxiety um, we have there listed five different anxiety conditions these are really common ones so the first one is general worry uh, then we've got social anxiety and then perfectionism which um, um, uh, is is one that a lot of people reach out to us about and then there's also uh, phobias and and panic and um, there are tips and strategies when you click on each one of those to learn about how they present what is it? What is social anxiety? Um, what, you know, there are examples in there. Um, it's really important to, again, understand in order to effectively manage and treat. Then um, the tools are really the, the parts of the app, the sections in the app that I, I highly recommend that you go to because um, once you've got that, um, background and you checked in, then you're going to learn how to, to engage with the app so that you can dial down your anxiety. The healthy thinking um, is a really important part of it because that's the, the cognitive part of our what we talked about, CBT. The chill zone are what we call somatics. Um, so it is in the chill zone, you're going to find all those guided audio files that I talked about earlier. And then there's also the taking action and taking action is um, what we call uh, exposure. Um, taking action also includes uh, recommendations for, um, for healthy, uh, for being active. So we talk about healthy habits like eating well, sleeping well. Um, so there's, there's quite a bit there, but there are also parts of the app that these are not um, just reading. They mm -hmm. actually are doing their entries in the app. That's I'll great. There to yeah, so minimize the time. Yeah, sorry, Judith. We're, we're, I want to make sure, Laura, we have plenty of time for Laura. And there was one question. I'm just going to ask you and Laura to think about this question. And then once Laura's done, um, we can come back to it. But there's the question from Sarah is, do you suggest different coping strategies for individuals or families that are directly affected by the virus idea are actually sick as those numbers continue to increase? So let's think about that for now. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it off. So if, uh, uh, Judith, if you can stop screen sharing, we'll pass it on to Laura. And there we go. Great. And please do um, ask your questions. Um, and uh, go ahead, Laura. Okay, I need to be able to share my screens. Yes, you should be able to. Second. Hmm. Why is it telling me I cannot? Let me check your settings. Um, uh, looks like you should have the possibility to do that. Is the share screen button there at the bottom? Oh dear. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. 
So while we're waiting for Laura, just a, a reminder um, that uh, please feel free to put comments and questions in there like Sarah's. I know a lot of people are dealing with family members and, and so on who are, are sick and getting the virus. So I know that is a big topic right now. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find my presentation. While I'm doing that, here's a suggestion. Um, everyone has some level of anxiety. And one way that I like to begin meetings, uh, whether the, it's a staff meeting or, or even with a classroom, is for everyone just to take three deep breaths, inhaling for a few minutes and exhaling out. And I will find <laughs> where my other screens are. I, oh, there we go. No. Okay, and, and just, yes, okay. we are seeing your screen. So, and Ola, I'm just gonna stop your video because we're trying to keep the bandwidth down. Okay, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. it, we're seeing your, your uh, Zoom link. <laughs> now, do you see this? Oh, uh, we're seeing yours, all we're seeing is the Zoom link. You have to make sure you click on the right screen. Okay, how are we doing? Now? There we go, much better. Okay, hi everyone, sorry for that. Um, <laughs> so my name is Laura Burgess. Um, I've been in higher education for over 25 years now as a professor, as an administrator. I began my career in student affairs, um, have always been a professor, moved into academic affairs. I've served as a, a dean of a business school and as an executive vice president and provost of a graduate uh, university. And um, my area, of, uh, my SME, if you will, is human development, particularly post-adolescent and early adulthood human development. And we've established the Human Value Center primarily to focus on culture and culture transformation and the well-being of all members of the academic community. So not just our students, but our staff, our faculty, and all of our stakeholders. Um, what I really want to be able to share with you today is a particular tool that can be used on campuses and it's even more relevant and more salient because of the fact uh, that we're moving into almost a purely online environment. Um, okay, so pre-COVID, we, we, we began putting this um, opportunity to have a well-being app for students and for um, faculty because of things that were going on before we had COVID. So, you know, we've seen a steep trajectory of student stress, anxiety, depression, isolation. Um, we know that we've been living in historically academic silos. There is, uh, you know, challenges with just the hierarchical rankings that we use with faculty status, with student status and so forth, which creates, you know, power and privilege uh, discrepancies. Now we're seeing more polarized politics. Um, there's stress related to escalating costs. Um, with a lot of the institutions that we work with, some of those challenges are lack of trust between administrators and faculty, between uh, the administration and the students. So we've seen that a lot this last year with um, a lot of scandals, frankly, with institutions. Some of our clients are um, battling with um, their, their, the perception that they have. Um, and so that really perpetuates a lot of these anxieties and uh, really, you know, hampering the ability to have 
well-being taking place on campus. Um, now, when we're in post-COVID, we're dealing with an you know extraordinary level. It's, it's now it's on steroids. We're talking about food and housing security and insecurity. Um, that we have discrepancies and and clearly some technology challenges and and who has access to those things. There's this notion of social isolation and the impact that that's having on the mental health and well-being of our faculty, of our students. And, you know, the focus has been so much about just getting our academic delivery. We haven't really even touched upon social and emotional um, support. And now, you know, as we talked about as Terry opened up this call, reopening and, you know, the industry is completely upside down. I, I just want to throw it out there beyond these things, you know, what else is affecting mental health and well-being if anyone has anything that we're missing? I mean, there's just so much going on in personal lives and professional lives. I think um, we all we all are um, touched by this, but if there's anything else that we're missing, let me know. Um, a couple of things that can be done for the faculty who are on this call. Um, we really encourage um, holistic pedagogy. So getting beyond just the intellectual content that we're delivering, but how can we bring social, emotional, and spiritual development into the learning community? By spiritual development, I mean whatever creates profound meaning and purpose in the lives of individuals. So ways that we can do that, and there's a we have a whole theoretical framework on this, which we won't go into on this call, but when you're delivering lessons, when you're um, having classroom online, you know, how are you engaging the heart? We, we've so much focus on the intellect, but how do you engage the heart? How do you personalize it? And that can be through the use of journals, personal life experience, um, and so forth. You know, we like to use art and, and other ways of um, demonstrating learning as well. The key here is really to create relationship-centered learning communities, you know, to the degree that you can be offering mentoring or building mentoring. Um, into your, your classrooms, doing group projects helps build relationships. Giving students voice and flexibility in their assignments is going to be able to touch on these different tenants. You know, we really want to uh, attend to difference as well as togetherness. Um, having community goals, group identity, affirming communications, even the use of, um, when we think about contemplative practices, the use of silence, can be very, very powerful. As, as professors, we tend to talk a lot and we hear ourselves and we like to hear ourselves. Um, <laughs> but using, using silence can really create some profound impact just to let things sink in. Um, and ultimately, we want students to have some values clarification. We want them to know what their calling in life is. And we, of course, want to appreciate difference and diversity. So to the degree that um, whether you're involved with uh, preparing future faculty or just thinking about your own pedagogical approaches, the more holistic we can be, the more we're going to touch students' heart and mind. We call it senti pensante pedagogy. Um, and it really can make a, a big difference in the profound learning and sustained learning that takes place. Um, I'm not gonna go into this too much, but we offer a free personal values assessment um, that I encourage you to use with your students. It takes about five minutes to do online. They'll get back a personalized report about their own individual values. And this is um, Richard Barrett's, uh, he really took Maslow's hierarchy of needs to the next level and talking about where people are at. And you know, while we wanna get to these upper levels here with 
um, you know, personal transformation and making a difference and being in service to others. Right now, we're probably seeing a big drop where people are really focused on survival and, um, you know, self-esteem. All of these aspects here are affected by mental health and well-being. So um, I know Terry's going to send some follow-up. I would encourage you to use that. It's, it's a great way even just to bring into any of your classrooms and it recalibrates kind of what's important. It also illuminates blind spots. So you may be so focused on where's the money gonna come from? Where's my next meal gonna come from? And it really can disorient um, you know, where people are at. So uh, we won't go get too much into that, but uh, it is a great resource that I would recommend. What I do wanna share with you is uh, a learning app that we have that promotes, it fosters well-being for individuals as well as the collective. This is based on positive psychology gamification theory, and it also provides tremendous analytics. So it's great for administrators as well to know um, not only in real time, but also for individuals where they're at. And it's really based on four pillars. At the end of the day, and this is, you know, irrefutable, it's about feeling valued, feeling connected, making a contribution, and knowing that you're growing and you're not stagnating. Um, so this is really the, the premise of our app, and I'm gonna demonstrate that app for you in, in just a moment here. But let me just tell you a few characteristics about this platform. What we've created is essentially a 24 seven personal coach uh, for anyone, for your teachers, uh, for your faculty, for your staff, for your students, in a personalized individual way, and again, so that they connect with, whether it's at the department level, uh, at the college level, uh, it can be a team, it can be a staff. And, and really the intention is that they're going to be on this app, maybe two to three, up to 10 minutes a day. It is, it's not going to be all consuming, but the key is that they're doing something every day on this to reinforce positive, uh, positive thinking. And we know from a, a neuroscience standpoint that if we do this even for 21 days, we're going to rewire our brains, if you will. So it's not a one-time uh, activity. It's something you're going to do a practice every single day. These are customizable to each campus or, like I said, to a department. Um, but the gamified participation is an important piece because we also know from gamification um, theory that there is something to that, that you, you know, you're, you're growing, you're getting more points, I want to see how I'm doing and so forth. Even Terry, you mentioned you're on your Fitbit, you're probably checking your Fitbit, you know, uh, where am I at today, how am I getting there? So these are important characteristics of it. Um, I mentioned the gamification and, and sort of, I'm just going to skim through some of these things. Um, but it also creates, creates a lot of social connection. So let me, um, let me share with you my dashboard here. This is, I'm gonna walk you through what the app actually looks like. I'm watching time here as well. So what we do is we break this out in 30-day challenges and um, you'll focus on a value or a behavior that you want to foster. So, um, you know, we, we've been working with the University of Southern California um, since last summer. They, they were going through tremendous issues that I won't get into, but, um, between massive suicide rates, overdoses, um, scandals with their admission piece, um, just one thing after another that's all publicly out there, uh, they needed a way to engage students. They were also challenged with off-campus students and on-campus students. So what, what you're able to do is say, you know, let's create some challenges to reinforce the values that we're interested in. 
And what happens is, and you, so you customize this. Um, in this case, an innovation challenge, but this could be an empathy challenge, a, a perseverance challenge. Um, you know, perseverance is something we're doing with a, a host of schools up in Northern California right now for the obvious. And what happens is on your phone uh, in the morning, you'll get a notice, a little text that says, hey, um, Terry, how about a little morning inspiration? And this, this block here, there are six different modules and I'll just walk through them quickly. And it'll say, hey, how about a little daily inspiration? The worst thing we can do is roll out of bed and take a look at the news headlines, right? And we've already heard about how that just really fosters anxiety and you know, fear breeds fear. We don't wanna do that. So, so what the, the student or your staff member might do is they'll click here and they'll see a morning daily inspiration. This is a much better way to begin your day. Um, and they get 10 points for doing that. They could also forward it to someone if they feel like, oh, this would really help my mom out today, or, you know, I want to send this to a student. But then they get to submit um, their points, and they just got 10 points. And now I have 10 points. Yay for me. Um, we also have this uh, leadership board, which when we talk about the gamification, it'll show you who the, the top people are. Um, and we do that because we, we give prizes. So uh, the school may say, um, our first 30-day challenge is going, uh, the, the top participants, the top participant will win a bicycle or, you know, a new cell phone or, or you know, tickets to, well, we don't have football games right now, but, you know, that you get the, get the idea there. So the daily inspiration is the first module. The second module is checking in with yourself. And this, again, will focus on the theme for that 30 days. So in this case, what was one way that we, Oh, uh, one way that we practice innovation. And we give some prompts. It could be, you know, I tried something new and I'm gonna talk about it. Tried a, um, a new um, software, you know, helpful. Um, this can be a private journal or it can be public. So um, what's really great, and we do this with diversity, equity, and inclusion as well, is this could really help you think about behaviors. So if, if you changed out innovation and it was perseverance, the, the student uh, may journal in here 10 pages and they can keep that private, but at the end they have access to it. So they can actually see their own patterns or their own growth, or they can make it public if they choose to. But again, they get to say, okay, I did that. I got 20 more points and submit that. Woohoo! Um, the customized values for the institution, they'll get points for reviewing what those were. You know, in this case, continuous learning, teamwork, perseverance, individuality, and just kind of reinforcing, you know, it's interesting, you know, every school, every company, they have their, their values on a poster in the coffee room, or it might be etched in, uh, you know, a, a building on campus. But if you ask someone on campus, what are the values that we're trying to live here? You know, rarely will you find members of the community who even know what those values are. So this is a way of really um, keeping top of mind what it is you want to be practicing. Um, digital shout outs and five, uh, shout outs and digital high fives. This is a way, and this is really terrific, this is a way to engage with faculty to student, uh, administrator to faculty, and so on, peer to peer, and so on and so forth. You can say, hey, Terry, um, appreciated what you did today, and um, so on and so forth. So I'm going to post that. And, oops, where's my posting? 
I'm going to submit that. So not only do I get points for that, but I'm going to send that out and other people will see that and may comment on it as well. Like, you know, Terry, I, I also want to, you know, support you in speaking up in that meeting. It was probably not a, an easy thing to do, but, but you did that. So you're seeing other things. You could high five what people have said, add comments to that. Um, but it really creates, again, I talked about earlier about relationship building. Um, to support one another in this difficult time, this is a way to really address social emotional development. We call it CrossFit for the soul, if you will. They're, they're muscles that we don't typically use, but this keeps people positive. It keeps people um, engaging with others. And especially in this, uh, you know, this place of isolation, students, of course, are on their social media nonstop but it isn't necessarily positive and it isn't necessarily structured. So this is a way for you to create prompts on topics, uh, really anything that you want for that. And again, really kind of grows organically, very similar to social media, um, but again, all framed in the values and the behaviors that we want to promote. Then we have these three modules down here. Um, and again, because it's customizable, you don't have to call it tips and insights. You could say coach's corner, you could call it whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you might have a message from the dean on a daily basis. It could be um, a little video upload. Hey, I just wanted to check in and see how everyone's doing. I'm here for you. And by the way, we've just created something new for you, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So it could be a text that you upload. It could be a quick video. Um, it could be people from your campus. Um, one other uh, opportunity in that corner that we strongly encourage, um, we are partners with the International Association of Human Values, which is a breath-based and physiology-based um, practice where uh, we'll upload a, a two-minute demonstration of a meditation practice. So it might be, hey, are you feeling a little anxiety today? Here's a practice that can reduce anxiety. And it'll, it'll be a student demonstrating what that looks like, or hey, are you a little stressed out about tests? Here's, here's another practice you could try. We're also engaging celebrities who have positive messages and who are positive role models. We're in the process right now of gathering those. It's another reason for students to wanna you know, look in to see you know, uh, what Gaga wants to say you know, to them personally during this difficult time and how they're managing uh, well-being. So again, it, and again, you get points for doing that. Um, but this can be used in any way that you want to get messages out real, real time, uh, you're real people. And, and again, from a gamification standpoint, the students are participating and they're uh, able to gain their points from that. We also have a video section here. And we have a very extensive library and depending upon the value or behavior that you want, um, that you want to work on, we'll use a lot of TED Talks, you may have things that you yourself want to use, um, but if, you know, in the case of uh, success, you know, in this case it's success. You know, we'll use some different TED talks. These might be a little bit longer videos. Um, that's why they get so many points for that. But faculty can use that in a classroom. You can use that in staff meetings to say, "Hey, did you guys check out this week's video? What'd you think about that?" You know, da 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 da. And then, really, really important is sharing a win. So this last module here, sharing when, you know, we tend to be so negative on ourselves. And I think we talked about self-compassion a little bit earlier about how important it is to take good care of ourselves. We also need to celebrate the small victories. 
So it's asking everyone on a daily basis, what's one thing you're proud of yourself for? What's one thing that you did that you managed to get through that, um, that you took on a new challenge? And this is public. So, um, you know, you can, you can see that different people are posting different uh, remarks about what they did. And, um, you know, you can see lots of them. You can see what everybody's done. This is especially helpful for administrators because we provide a lot of analytics, which can say, wow, 70% of your students today were on the app and we've had 6,000 actions take place. If you think about on a, um, a compounding and cumulative basis, this has really powerful neurological effects on people. So it's great for administrators as well to come into a meeting, you know, for whatever powers that be to say, from a student health perspective and a, and a well-being perspective, this many students are participating. This is what they're reporting. You won't have access to their private journals, but really terrific analytics. And um, you know, we, we're using this in the K-12 space as well. Who, you know, they have so many um, state and federal mandates to address social and emotional learning, positive behavior interventions, and so forth. So it's a really great way for for folks to not only say you're doing it, but, he, but also to be able to have demonstration of the return on investment in this kind of activity. So that's a really brief overview of, of uh, the app, um, but you know, really something very easy to do that doesn't create any labor on the part of administrators or support staff. And a great way to engage the support staff, um, you know, if you want the groundskeepers to be part of the community, if you want uh, the counselors to be part of the community, it really creates an opportunity for everyone to be involved. And they can also have teams. So, you know, I mentioned, I don't have it on this one here, but it could be that it's, you know, your university, USC, but let's just talk about, you know, the College of Liberal Arts, or let's just talk about my department, or let's just have a team, you know, the athletic team. You can really customize it down to whatever group you, you wanna build some bonding with. And what we find in using this, and we've used this in the corporate space now for the last five years, um, we have Toyota and Bloomingdale's and NASA and uh, Rotors and just, I mean, lots of really big organizations. They continue to renew these because it creates a sense of connectivity, particularly where people are in different spaces, right? So if you've got a, a downtown campus and a, another campus, uh, you know, 500 miles away, it creates that interdisciplinary connectivity with folks that you might not have um, interaction with, which also addresses the faculty isolation that so many have felt. And um, Alexander and Helen Aston did a study a couple of years ago about the mental well-being of faculty, and and this is all pre-COVID. So this is this is not a new phenomenon that we're faced with. This is something that we want to work on anyway. And, you know, God willing, we get a, a cure for COVID and, and we can get on with quote unquote regular life here. But this is something that can be very, very powerful um, in a special way for, for building campus community, promoting the values and behaviors that you'd like to see. And in the case now in our topic with strategic planning, how are we going to address the whole person? not just what they're learning and not just how they're creating academic achievements with progress, but how are we addressing the whole person and not just the students, but every single one of us that makes our community. So that's kind of a overview of the app. I'm also happy to share 
what we call our sandbox. It's um, our Human Value Center. We have our own app. And so I can give you all you know, access to that if you wanna just get in and kind of play with it and use your imagination of how you might use that in your own setting. Um, that's something that, uh, that we can do with you as well. So we're offering this to all um, higher education through the Center for Higher Education Leadership and believe that this can be um, really reinforcing whatever the strategic goals are for your institution in these trying times. Thanks so much, Laura. I want to, I know people are having to go and it's, it's almost 10, but um, can we quickly um, go back to the, the, the question that Sarah asked about, um, you know, coping strategies for when you're dealing with somebody who's ill? And actually you can stop sharing your, your screen. Okay. So. So, um, Judith, do you want to take that on? The question about uh, coping strategies for when I'm going to unmute you. You're, you're muted. I'll uh, unmute myself uh, there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Look, I think that, that um, if you've got members of your family um, who are unwell and, uh, or uh, with COVID, um, and we've heard from many people uh, across Canada, this is the case, or others who are working front lines, um, there are a lot of concerns about, you know, their personal safety as well as um, getting COVID from someone else. So I would say that the coping strategies that I mentioned earlier, that they are just as relevant and perhaps even more important. Um, the only thing I'll add is that if, um, and I didn't touch upon this, but we've got an article coming out about PTSD and it's specifically written by psychologists for healthcare workers. And um, it's quite a rich article. And one of the things, it talks about the same sort of coping strategies I've mentioned, you know, self-compassion, but also help seeking. So um, it's important that you reach out and that you ask for support. Um, because, you know, that's often something that as someone who's frontline, you're not doing. And that's also, you know, that ties in with that uh, self-compassion piece. Mm -hmm. Great. So that'll be, if you go to anxietycanada.com, uh, there's a link, you click on that, and then it goes to all our resources that are, that, um, that we're regularly putting up that, ha that are specific to managing anxiety during the time of COVID. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that addresses the question that, um, and I'm forgetting who asked it about graduate, uh, Ola asked about graduating seniors. I know this has been a big issue. Um, I've seen across all of social media that people are concerned about how to deal with the, the you know, disappointment really that uh, graduating seniors are feeling, both those who are graduating from high school and those who are graduating from college. And, um, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, this these kinds of tools that you guys are talking about are, are a good way to approach that um, in the sense of empathy you know basically showing empathy compassion um, that seems to be the the uh, some of the guiding factors here so and Laura feel free to to chime in can I ask a question to Laura about her app yeah sure. please 
So as Laura, that's it's your uh, the app just sounds great. I'm curious to know when people go to post and it looks like they can post privately or publicly. Is it is there um, on the back end? Is there any um, filtering? Yes, great question. Um, there is filtering. Um, and so first of all, there is an opportunity for anyone to flag anything and we have on the back end, things can be pulled immediately. So when we've been working in the K-12 space, you know, there was concern about kids, you know, posting something nasty or dirty or whatever, but that can be pulled right away. But we find that it really doesn't need to be policed very much at all because you can't use a, like a anonymous email or anything like that because it's the student name with a photo. So you're really outing yourself of doing something um, that's inappropriate. Right. But yes, to answer your question, it is. And additionally, you, you can appoint someone or as many people as you want on campus if they want to monitor as well, but we do that as well. Okay. Great. Well, unfortunately, we, we probably should wrap up because it is, it's already almost 10.05 and we, we usually end around 10. So thanks so much, Judith and Laura. And if you guys have anything you want to share or questions you had for each other, obviously you can connect, but um, we, we will, like I said, I will do a write-up and we will um, make sure that uh, we get something out to folks just in case this, the recording doesn't work yet again. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much to everybody for being here. Again, we're the Center for Higher Education Leadership and I know you guys know where we're at and um, it's been really great. This has been a, a really great uh, session and um, just so, so you know, next week we are planning to talk about study abroad, although other events may step in and have us change the topic. But um, for now, um, we're going to be talking, and I know this is another area of anxiety for our students and faculty who are concerned about what's going to happen with study abroad. So that's our plan for next week. And um, please join our forums. Um, we just posted Terrence posting some links there. And um, we hope to see you all next week. So thanks again, Laura and Judith. We really appreciate your time. And um, stay healthy, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.